everyone, and welcome to The JW Show. I'm your host, Joshua Washington, Executive Director of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel. And today I have with me an awesome man. He's also a good friend, Charles Jacobs. And I'm going to just read a little bit about him here today. Once named by the Ford as one of America's top 50 Jewish leaders, Charles Jacobs is a journalist and longtime social activist who over two decades has founded human rights and pro-Israel organizations to deal with unmet challenges. Some of these have become national institutions, um, organizations like CAMERA, Committee for Accuracy in Middle East Reporting in America, groups like the uh, American Anti-Slavery Group, which in 1993, responding to reports of modern-day human bondage, particularly in Africa, where Arabs and Muslims were enslaving black Africans, Charles, along with African Christians and Muslims founded the American Anti-Slavery Group, which brought international attention to the enslavement of tens of thousands of mostly Christian Africans in Sudan by militias armed by the genocidal Islamic regime in Khartoum. Charles flew several times illegally into Sudan on rescue missions that freed thousands of slaves. On September 18, 2000, Coretta Scott King and Boston Mayor Thomas Menino presented Charles with the first ever Boston Freedom, Boston Freedom Award for his abolitionist work. Charles has testified before Congress on three separate occasions, and on October 21, 2002, he was invited to the White House signing of the Sudan Peace Act, where he spoke with President Bush. The AASG was instrumental in influencing the president to change U.S. policy on Sudan and enforcing a North-South peace treaty, which ended the slave raids and created the world's newest state, South Sudan. Charles also was a part of founding the David Project, um, and he is currently uh, a part of and and one of the the president of Americans for Peace and Tolerance. Um, so Charles, thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you, Joshua. It's going to be fun, I think, this discussion. I think so, too. So, Charles, first of all, um, you know, tell us a little bit more about the, the American Anti-Slavery Group. What what pushed you to to start an organization like that? What was it that that really um, gave you that push? And, and why do you why do you do it? Well, I I was uh, I'm Jewish and uh, I was uh, born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. And um, I had very liberal parents, um, and uh, we were kind of, before it was really cool, we were kind of, in our own way, anti-racist. Mm. I remember I joined the chapter of the NAACP in my high school, um, and uh, so uh, I was a management consultant after college, mm. and... Um, I was flying to some consulting gig in Chicago and I was reading The Economist magazine and all of a sudden I saw this little article on, I don't know, page 47. Um, you can buy and sell black women and children as slaves today in uh, many parts of Africa. And I said, what? How can that be? How can nobody knows this? Why is it on page 42? Right. Uh, and so I began, I just did a little research and I found this enormously horrifying story that was mostly, almost almost totally ignored by everyone. Mm. Then the story was that in Sudan, which is Africa's largest country, 
Um, the North is Arab Muslim and the South is mostly Christian. There was a, we didn't know it then, it was a jihad. Nobody knew that word way back in the right. 1990s, not many people. And uh, Arab militias would storm African villages. They'd shoot the men and they would capture the women and children. And these would become sl- concubines and slaves. And, uh, and also in a, in a place called Mauritania, which whoever knew what that was, mm. um, Arab Berbers had enslaved blacks there for centuries, for centuries. Mm. And even though um, the blacks there had all converted to Islam or were conquered and converted to Islam, you know, that's the controversy where they persuaded or where they conquered to do it. Um, even though they were black Muslims, the Arab Berbers enslaved them. And that was kind of against Islam itself, mm. where Muslims are not supposed to enslave fellow Muslims. But in, but like in the West, you know, racism trumps religious doctrine anyway. Mm. So so here was the story. And I was I always wanted to be a writer. And I, I found a, a fellow, a Muslim from uh, Mauritania in America. Um, and he and I wrote a piece in the New York Times that broke the story, I think 1991. Wow. Uh, Bought and Sold was the name of the piece. And who knew what would have happened, but I got 100 phone calls. <laughs> you know, I just, it must have been, it felt like 100 phone calls in the next few days and mm. letters. Why don't you start a movement? How can this be? In, on our watch, they're enslaving blacks, and, and, and this is a horrible thing. So, uh, Muhammad and I started a movement, and we we went to uh, first of all we went to see the diaspora elements of the people from Sudan and from Mauritania who lived in New, mostly in New York City. Mm, wow! And uh, we, you know, I spoke to the Sudanese there, the South Sudanese. Now these were Dinka people. Dinka people are. Anybody who knows basketball might have heard of a guy named Manute Bowl. Very, very tall, very, very charcoal black, beautiful people, tall, black, beautiful people, the Dinka mm. people. And they were the, the biggest victims of the murder and the slaughter and slave raids mm. that were happening in South Sudan. And, and I asked them, um, well, have you, you know, you have a small community here, but, you know, the, well, Charles, we went to the churches and we went to the human rights community and, you know, we told them that they were massacring us, you know, and the, mm. at the end of the day, there might have been like three million people killed. The, the South Sudanese called this the, the, the hidden Holocaust. Right. right. So it, and we told them about the murders and that, you know, and there were nothing happened. So then we thought about this for a long time and I came up um I, can't, I, I said, but did you tell them about the slavery? And they said, well, not, not you know, a little, but, but isn't murder worse than being enslaved? I mm. said, logically, that's true. But if you want Americans to be really interested in this, you know, let's, let's tell them about the enslavement because mm. you have hundreds of thousands of girls and bought and sold and captured and enslaved and raped and tortured. And so... That's we finally won uh, the argument inside the South Sudanese community, and then we 
started to organize and we found mm -hmm. that we could essentially create something that it would be very difficult today. This was like 25 years ago. Mm. We created a left-right coalition against the enslavement of blacks in South Sudan. Wow. But now, you know, everything is so politicized right. uh, that it would be much more difficult, although I'm sure decent people from every part of the political spectrum um, would would join again. And so we had people all the way on the left from, you know, Barney Frank, Congressman Barney Frank, all the way to the right, Pat Robertson, mm. from, you know, Christian Broadcasting. Right. Not that we could put them in the same room, Joshua, <laughs> but we, they all signed on, you know, a Congressman Don. We had the Black Caucus, we had the NAACP, we had everybody. Wow. wow. Except the one guy that we didn't have, who was our eternal enemy, was Louis Farrakhan. Mm. So why why would that be? Because yeah. because because his mission in life is to convince blacks in America that Islam is the path to freedom. Mm. And yeah, tell well, me that, tell me more. That's, I know yeah. you mentioned. Uh, tell me about that. Tell us that story. I, I think you might be getting to it now. But um, what happened with with uh, you had actually or a friend of yours had actually confronted him about the slavery that was going on in in Sudan in South Sudan. Mm -hmm. Right. So for months, uh, what we we got on uh, Tony Brown's Journal, which was the biggest black news show on, on PBS mm. uh, in the country, me and Mohammed Atiyeh. So you have this Jewish guy and this black Muslim guy saying that Arabs have black slaves and uh, Muslims have black slaves. And the Farrakhan people f were freaking out because, you know, this is. I don't know, you could say uh, an Achilles heel, or you could say this right. wrecks his whole argument mm. that, I mean, if Islam is, if Muslim people are enslaving blacks, um, and I'm going to tell you that it's happening today, mm. but back then, 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 then he's got a problem. He right. even met with people in South Sudan, leaders of the South Sudanese Liberation Army, which eventually defeated the Arabs mm. and created a state south sudan he met with them and he promised them that he would speak out against the enslavement and he and he went back on his word and we have this in writing wow. from the from the leaders uh sabit ali and there was another fellow who i forget his name um stephen wandu hmm. they, they're you know you can look them up they're they're officials of south spla and uh, he promised them that he would do something and he couldn't he didn't right um, so anyway, so there were these huge debates and we were being called up and threatened by the Nation of Islam. You know, the food wow. of Islam would call us up. Don't you dare do this. What are you doing? We heard there were fistfights in jails between black nationalists and Farrakhaners about this. Wow. My, our newsletter was prohibited from being in the jails because it sparked these kind of fights. Wow. But one day, Farrakhan was, um, we have a video of this. It's kind of. It's kind of interesting. He he was at a press conference, mm. and a fellow from the a reporter from the New York Times uh, asked him, um, Minister Farrakhan, why are you denying that there's a, a slavery in Sudan? And Farrakhan got very upset, mm. and he thrust his finger at the guy, and he said, "If you think." I'm quoting this almost exactly. If you think there's slavery in Sudan, you, why don't you and the press go there and find it and report back to the American people? Mm. Well, luckily for us, the Baltimore Sun 
sent two reporters to mm. Sudan uh, with our our main partners, Christian Solidarity International, who, by the way, are the heroes of the story, CSI, Christian Solidarity International. Mm. They were the ones who organized the buying back of slaves. They, wow. they like, Underground Railroad. They were, they're still, they're amazing people. Wow. They're the heroes. So, so these two <laughs> reporters went there and they bought some slaves back. They bought the freedom of slaves and they came back and they had a five-part series on the front page of the Baltimore Sun, which was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize, that series. Wow. And then Farrakhan shut up. Mm. He, he just, you know, he, did, he wouldn't say anything. He didn't challenge us anymore. There was a losing proposition for him. Mm. Um, wow. Even worse than the Sudan case for him was the Mauritania case because in Mauritania, the slaves... And Joshua, I can tell you, it is estimated that today, as we speak, there are between 300 and 500,000 black Muslim slaves mm. serving Arab Berber masters. Wow. So that's even more of a problem yeah. from, for Farrakhan. And he didn't touch that at all. Wow. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit more about that. Tell us a little more what's happening today. Um, so the numbers you just gave us, and then in comparison to when you were first starting out, what's um, has it gotten worse, better, or what's what's happening now? Well, it's either gotten worse or it has gotten worse for certain mm. reasons. And, I'll explain. and also uh, the reporting is getting a little better. So okay. right now, as we speak, I can document, it has been documented, not just by us, that there are five countries in Africa where Muslims and Arabs have black slaves. So you start with Sudan. Mm. Uh, there are still slaves in Sudan left over from the civil war that ended uh, in, the, in the 90s. Okay. Um, but, the, but the ones that they captured and took there are still up north. And uh, the, the South Sudanese government hasn't gotten itself together enough to wage a campaign to bring them back. But human rights groups are. And I, again, I, I, I want your audience to go look up Christian Solidarity International because they are incredible. Totally. Uh, John Eibner, the fellow who runs it, is my personal hero. Mm. Um, <clears throat> should be everybody's. Uh, so, so it's still in Sudan. In Mauritania, my goodness, it's, uh, it's alive and kicking. And, you know, you're a, a black slave in Mauritania is born into this. Uh, he's taught that he'll get to heaven only under the foot of his master. Uh, wow. He has to ask for permission to marry. Um, he may not touch the Quran with his black hand. Um, wow. He is. He can be lent out. He can be. Uh, he's passed on like the furniture when his master dies. You know, to his uh, inheritors. Uh, he can be lent out for you know, rent a slave. He can be traded for trucks and guns and camels and he's a slave mm. lots mm. and and you know the, the other part of this josh that's that's really outrageous to me the human rights community is practically silent on this because you can imagine as well as i can it's not a politically correct story white people are not the bad guys here right and you know how dare we whites who had black slaves ever stand up for people who are enslaved by others Right. Right. So right. it's horrible. So that's Mauritania. Now, mm. Nigeria 
is the most interesting, uh, one of the most interesting cases now because there's a Nigerian-American diaspora. And the Nigerians mm. in America are one of the most successful um, uh, immigrant populations, doctors, lawyers, yep. pharmacists, you know, they're, and, and they're like high, they, they, they earn money like, uh, like whites and Chinese and Jews. I mean, they're like mm -hmm. at the top of the scale. So they, right. so they're organizing now to get their, the same thing that's happened in, that happened in Sudan, the jihad is happening in Nigeria, mm. where these uh, Fulani tribesmen and uh, Boko Haram, and people who are listening might remember that Michelle Obama was very upset when she heard about the, the, the schoolgirls who were captured and enslaved. Yeah. And she even started this thing, you know, hashtag bring back our girls. But she got she lost interest a couple of minutes later. I think. Right. I yeah. Know. Yeah. Wasn't also a politically correct story for her. But the Nigerian-Americans have started a campaign uh, if you go to freenigerianslaves.org, um, you'll see that they have started a campaign. They have had two marches, um, one wow. in Minneapolis, one in Omaha, and they're going to be in New Jersey in a couple of weeks. And they're starting something that was kind of like what we did 20 years ago. Um, and, and, and your people should know this, and you know all people should know this and support it. Absolutely. So, but so there again, it's the same situation where they're being murdered. You know, the, the churches mostly are attacked because this is a religious war, mm. you know, against mm. the Christian population. And they kill pastors and they, yeah. you know, burn churches and they burn villages and mm. they all of that. And they capture the school kids, for, some for ransom, some for concubinage, concubinage, etc. Mm. Wow. So. So, you know, everybody knows, oh, because, so because of that, and because of the violence in Central Africa, many Africans are trying to escape through North Africa into Europe. Um, who can blame them? And right. when they reach Algeria and Libya, they get caught and enslaved again. And there wow. is a incredible little video clip, which I can send you, or I have sent you, CNN, this is not, you know, right wing. This is not Fox News. This is not Christian blog. This is CNN. Mm. You can see two black men being auctioned off by Arabs. And I think the price wound up to $400 a piece. Wow. So wow. this is going on. It's, it, it's, it's happening. And there is no response from the people who you would most think would be there, right? The human rights community, the UN, yeah, all those people, because they, they're they're terrified of being called Islamophobic, or they're mostly anti-Western, or in the case of the American left, you know, they they want to scold or improve white conduct, and this doesn't have anything to do with that, right? You know, right. They're, they're not. It's a fraud. I mean, the human rights community is a fraud in the sense that they pretend that therefore human rights and that there should be a single standard of human rights around the world. Mm. But their real motivation, these are mostly decent white kids, their real motivation, like say at Amnesty International, is to say, I'm not a bad white person. Mm. You know, mm. you know, I'm, I'm not that person. So I am going to be, how do I prove that? 
I'm going to yell at bad white behavior. Right. Not that I'm going to free slaves no matter who took them. <laughs> right. Which would be which would be the human rights view. Right. 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 But so here we are. Wow. Here we are. And and so so you listed so Sudan, Mauritania, Nigeria, Libya, and then there's one and more. And then Algeria. Algeria. That's right. 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 So, mm. um, and, and, um, people can see this on, uh, uh, I abolish.org, the letter I abolish.org. There's the, the American anti-slavery group, um, which went into hibernation for the longest time after we helped free the slaves of Sudan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we couldn't do much more for the Mauritanian ones where we didn't have the resources to do it. So we kind of went into hibernation is kind of reawakening again with these, just with these reports. So you can see on that website, the reports and the documentation with footnotes of, you know, of, of uh, the slavery in the five countries that I, that I mentioned. Mm. I mean, if anybody um, in your listening audience wants to be an abolitionist in our century, in our time, um, they should go to um, freenigerianslaves.org and help out these people because they're just getting organized and they, they've got valiant leaders. You know, it's you've got to be a little brave to be a Nigerian here talking about what's going back in your country because maybe you have relatives that could be harmed or mm. maybe they could come and get you. Who knows? Right, so right. So it's about bravery and, and courage. Mm. I'm writing all these down. So this – oh, sorry. Go yeah. ahead, too. No, as abolitionists uh, always were about bravery and courage. Absolutely. No, I, I'm so I've, I've written all these down. They'll they'll be um, linked to the the episode. So when people click on it, they'll see those different links. Um, FreeNigerianSlaves.org to get involved. You also mentioned IAbolish.org, and then yeah, for the re- right exactly, and then for Christian Solidarity International, just another organization that's that oh, led that charge. Um, right. I mean, they. I got to tell you, this guy John Eibner, he went. I mean, when we flew to Sudan, and he flew almost. I don't know, a couple of times a month for a year. I don't know. Mm. Um, that was a dangerous thing. That was illegal because that wasn't a country yet. You flew into a war zone, mm. and he flew with duffel bags of cash into the into the bush, and arranged for people, um, friendly Arabs, uh, to go up and retrieve slaves uh paying them by, by paying them or absconding with them or mm. buying them right uh, and he 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 is in the most amazing the most unsung hero of our time john e-i-b-n-e-r john Eibner. and you said these these were usually illegal um operations that you guys would would actually take to to free slaves flying into these countries and and buying them essentially and setting them free. This this wasn't a le- technically, I should say, a legal thing, was it? Well, because we flew. I mean, we flew into Sudan, and right. Sudan did not want us to fly into Sudan right. and up in the war zone. Mm. Uh, we wouldn't have had. We wouldn't have gotten their permission to do that. We had to use. We went through the Southern People's Liberation Army, the Sudan People's Liberation Army, uh, mm. SPLA. And these are the unsung heroes who mm. fought. These were these were black, mostly Dinka, some Nior uh, tribesmen, uh, other tribesmen, who, with I would say, uh, 
old guns that they could get mm. um, and, you know, whatever arms they could get. And, and there is a little secret here, and that secret has been told, so I wouldn't be the first one to say it. Mm. Uh, the Israelis sent them arms. Oh, wow. The, the yeah. South City, the, the SPLA. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. And for a long time, nobody said that, but then somebody said it, so it can be said. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, that's incredible. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, it, yeah. And I'll send you the clip of the, uh, the, the auctioning of a slave in, uh, in Libya, because that is so stunning to watch that, you know, here we are in 2021 and you can buy and sell people. Right. For, at, at an auction. Wow. Wow. And so, Charles, I want to, I'm looking at two pictures here and, I, and I'm thinking about how I can actually make these so that people can look at them as well for the podcast. I want to ask you about both of them. Um, this one, well, first of all, there's three. I mentioned this in your bio, but you receiving the the Boston Freedom Award um, and there's Coretta Scott King right next to you. And then you have the mayor of Boston give, actually giving you the award, which is incredible itself. And that I know that's on your on your website. Um, then there's this other picture here. Uh, you're in Sudan. You're you're standing in a group with with Walter Fontroy, who was the organizer for Dr. King's March on Washington. Um, you have a Sudanese community leader. His name is Abdun Agao. Um, and then radio host Joe the Hawk Madison on your right. So it's you with right. a Sudanese man, two African American men um, standing in Sudan. Can you can you speak a little bit more to this to this picture? Sure, yeah. sure. So one of the heroes of this movement was a guy named uh, Joe Madison, who is still very famous, and he was called the Black Eagle. He he had a had a very very popular radio show in mm. Washington D.C. And when we we flew in to meet Joe with some people who had been slaves yeah. in Sudan, and it blew his mind, and he just decided to go for it, wow. and he he really you know, and he recruited. Uh, Walter Fontroy, who was the man who actually was behind the organ, did the organization of the "I Have a Dream" speech march. Wow! Uh, wow! King's uh, march on Washington, which, by the way, I was at because I was this young kid, mm. and as I said, you know, my parents were uh, liberal civil rights people before it was cool, and mm. uh, we had. Uh, I had a friend, my mom had a friend who was, uh, was a union organizer in New Jersey and they were going to take some union people on a bus and I went with them on the bus and I went to Martin Luther King's speech and I cried like a baby like everybody else mm. when he said those words. So to me, when Coretta Scott King gave me the award, it was like, wow, mm. wow. wow. That, was, that was almost as good, Joshua as standing there with John Eibner under a huge tree with 300 slaves. Um, mm. <laughs> I'm going to tear up now. Uh, wow. When uh, he said to them, after he brought them back, mm. uh, you're now free. And, and, uh, and the people just, you know, just whooped and cried and screamed mm. and danced. And... Anyway. Wow. Uh, wow. So anyway, so so uh, we recruited Joe Madison, recruited Walter Fontroy, and we and with Eibner and me, and we all went back to Sudan to to do another 
slave redemption trip and um uh, that that was amazing mm. that was amazing wow. so madison used to duke it out on this radio program with uh nation of islam people all the time oh wow they would, yeah yeah they would say come on it's not true it's a it's a jewish plot right right <laughs> design this plot you're you know, you're a monkey that the Jew is holding up, you know, and you're dancing for him to right. be against the uh, Muslim or whatever. Mm. And it's funny, he they, they he say didn't that. He did take kindly to that. Joe I'm sure. Jeremy. No, I'm sure he didn't. I mean, I, it's funny because they still say the same thing. It's the same tune over and over again. Um, it was actually, it was said to me a few weeks ago um, by by another Nation of Islam person when I was, when I was posting about this, uh, the work that you do, actually. Um, uh, and it's it's just yeah it's a shame it really is a shame. Ask you know you should ask him. Well, listen, you know if Louis Farrakhan has more power than anybody in this country to free those slaves. Mm. If you can imagine, right? If you can imagine Louis Farrakhan standing up and saying, "There's black people being bu- captured, bought and sold, and raped and concubined and mm-hmm. tortured and whatever." I could. Exp- I mean, if you wanted to get really sad i could describe to you the tortures that are documented by human rights watch of slaves in mauritania that would just you know if you want to go there but um well why don't you give us actually an an example i think you know it would be good for our listeners to to get more of the gravity of this definitely okay well so you know in the in the west so just a couple things Mm. in the west the, the slave trade, which was like 11 million black people from Africa were taken into Europe and America, 11 million. Mm. And we know about that. You know, we know all about books have been written about it. Films have been made about it. Everybody mm. knows about the transatlantic slave trade and the triangle trade. And there was 11 million people. What they don't know about is the other 11 million Africans who, who mm. were traded and bought and sold and made eunuchs. Uh, wow. harems in the, in the Arab world. Wow. So in more, so in the, in the West, you know, we all heard the term uppity that's used by white racists for, for black people who didn't, you know, mind their manners, mm-hmm. right, or mm-hmm. do what they were supposed to be doing. They were uppity. Well, in Mauritania, if you're a slave and you get a little uppity or you make a mistake or you drop a pot, <laughs> right. um, there are several uh, tortures that uh, I'm going to tell you about that I got from uh, Africa Watch. Africa Watch was, uh, before Human Rights Watch became one big umbrella, it had like Africa Watch, Asia Watch. So this was like mm. a Human Rights Watch uh, wow. p- report. Okay. The camel treatment. So you you take the uppity slave mm. and you um, tie him to the belly of a camel mm. uh, where his hands are, you know, beneath the camel, his hands and his legs are spread out. Now, this camel you have deprived from drinking water for days and days and days, so it's a shrunken stomach. Mm. And then with the slave tied tightly underneath him, you give the camel to drink, and the camel's stomach expands, and the slave's bones are pulled apart. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, my Um, goodness. Then there's one called uh, the insect treatment, where you take these little tiny devil... uh, desert insects and you stick them in people's ears and you wrap the you put pebbles in their ears to block it from them from getting out and you wrap his head with a cloth tightly and he'll go mad he'll i mean they don't they don't you know a couple of days of that and you're not a person anymore wow. Wow. um 
I don't want to go anymore. But that's that's enough. My um, goodness, that's my goodness. Yeah. So, I mm. mean, so the, the 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 point here is that there's a couple of points. Mm. All these people who are screaming human rights, human rights, human rights, they in the West, mm. the vast majority of them have a bad conscience about Western behavior, mm. right? And they're trying to expiate. They're trying to trying to liberate themselves from the charge of being a bad white person or a bad Westerner. And, and to do that, they can't let the focus be on anything else than bad white conduct. Yeah. Right? So they're abandoned. They're, they're, the biggest sin is they're abandoning those people who are most in need of Western power. Mm. of mm. Western human rights power because they turn their eyes away from victims of non-Western oppression. Right. And that includes the slaves. That includes women in the Muslim world. That includes the Christians right now being jihaded uh, in Africa. Mm. That includes lesbians, gays, etc. All those, you know, mm. uh, those, those folks who would not, who are not doing well. Mm. In in in, uh, in the non-Western world, right, right. and they focus instead on how bad the West is, but they never do compared to what. Mm. So that's that's one major point. I call this the human rights complex. Mm. I'm I'm gonna I'm publishing a book on everything I've just told you. I you know it's being edited right now. Oh, incredible! Do you know when it's coming out? No, and uh, you'll be but you'll be the first one to have it in your hands, Josh. Oh, I great. Promise. I, I appreciate that. That's fit. Okay, it's, thank well, you. I think the title, the working title, is called Redemption, and it's about redeeming slaves and how the West can redeem itself from the sin of ignoring the slaves. Wow, wow. Um. So, and what's the other lesson? The other lesson is that we, you know, stop this group stuff. We're all individual peoples. Everybody had slaves. Jews had slaves, Christians had slaves, Muslims had slaves, Hindus had slaves, whites had slaves, blacks had slaves. Mm, right, right. Persians and Romans had, everybody had slaves. Mm. So it's not a white sin, it's a human sin. Mm. And, uh, and I have to say, the West got abolitionist. The West stopped its slave raid and mm. beat itself on the chest and said, that was bad, we got to stop it. Mm. But the Muslim world is not. Right. And they need us right now. And they need us right now. They need us. Absolutely. Charles, I um, I want to ask you this because I'm sure some of our listeners listening, even though I, I know they're going to enjoy this, may be thinking that, you know, because all of the all of the past podcasts that I've had on here, we've we've specifically spoke about Israel and Israel and Africa. You know, that's kind of the main theme of of this show. Um, but and I really felt to have you on to to talk about the work that you do um but can you speak to some some people might listen to this and say okay what does this have to do with what does that have to do with being a zionist what does that have to do with israel africa um you know why why have this it seems random you know well i don't think it's i don't think it's random because i think the attack on jews um uh, which is now leading to surges of anti-Semitism in the West that we have. I mean, the Jewish community is in shock right now, Josh, yeah. because we all saw on video 
physical pummeling of beating up beatings of Jews in the streets of America in Los Angeles and in New York yeah. and in Toronto. Yeah. And, and we all saw <clears throat> the videos in London where these Palestinian Arabs are in car caravans slowly driving through massively and slowly driving through Jewish neighborhoods screaming out killed Jews raped their daughters right so the Jewish community right now is pretty much in shock mm. um, and we're being thrown out of the human rights community I mean the Jews as you know have always been in the forefront of I mean your father wrote a book about this mm -hmm. right absolutely uh, and you and uh, have always been in the forefront of being uh, for human rights for everybody for civil rights we were in the you know i don't want to repeat your dad's book but and no, i don't want to you know but the jews were really in the forefront of the black civil rights uh movement right, right. and befriended uh martin luther king and before him helped uh, with uh, black education and um and so now the jews are shocked by the blacks turning against them Mm. I mean, by many, many blacks turning against them because they bought, the blacks have bought this notion that all people of color are oppressed by all non-people of color. Mm -hmm. And the Jews have now become in this uh, ideology called woke or postmodernism or political correctness or progressivism. The Jews are now redefined as white people. Right. Right. You know, or okay, called white adjacents because we have uh, white privilege. Right? right. Right. Well, this is a horrible, horrible lie. Mm. I mean, <laughs> tell go tell Adolf Hitler that the Jews are white. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, so, the Jews do not want to be thrown out of a coalition of human rights people, and especially we do not. And we will not stand by silently when we are being cursed by some radical black groups as being racist, because I think we're like the least among the least racists of all. Mm, uh, mm. You know, the proof point here, proof point there. You know, Ethiopian Israelis. You know, we saved the blacks from Ethiopia. We, I mean, there's a, there's just so many things you could prove, but. I think that that black people in America, when they find their true interest lies in um, uniting with decent people of all races and that we're a friend and we've always been a friend. Mm -hmm. And we were in the forefront of um, uh, uh, redeeming black slaves just recently. And we were in the forefront of the Israelis were in the forefront of helping the Southern Dinkas mm. and yours fight against massive murderous attacks and enslavement raids in South Sudan. Mm. Um, mm. So they need, I think that that is going to help. And I also think that instead of being victims, which is what the left wants the blacks to feel only as, as, as victims, because then the left can, you know, can can guide you and can benefit by this, you know, mm. and all that. I think that black people in America have gained power 
and it's been a holy power. Mm. It's the power of uh, came from the beatings that they took in Mississippi and the, you know, and Harriet Tubman power and Martin mm. Luther King power, and they can use that power to lead in the redemption of the slaves that history left behind. Mm. I mean, imagine that, imagine if that is. Um, one of the missions of, of black America today. We're not victims. We're powerful people who are going to take back our people who've been enslaved. Mm, so I think that that's a vision that, so how does it have to do with Israel? Well, I mean, it has to do with who blacks are, who Jews are, mm. uh, who's a friend, who's not a friend, um, and doing the right thing. And uh, mm. Absolutely. that's what I no, absolutely. I do want to add to that. Uh, like you said, because of the, there's a civil rights group, a black civil rights group in the 70s that stood with Israel. Part of their agenda, as well as standing with Israel, was was standing with Africa. You know, in in Black American Supporting Israel Committee, one of their talking points, one of one of their tenets was that, you know, what the Arabs were doing with oil was having a disastrous effect on Black Americans and Africans. Um, and there was that it, it almost like you can't do one without the other, you know, standing with Israel, um, it kind of goes hand in hand, I think because of the work Israel does in Africa, all the work that, that Israel does with Africa. And also because of the work that Jews do with, uh, with black Americans, both historically and now, I mean, what was the work that you do, Charles is like the essential to me, it's like quintessentially that whole black Jewish, um, you know, Jewish African solidarity, you know, um, and, and literally liberating people from slavery in Africa. Um, not because, not because you're African, not because, um, you know, you, you were born in any country in Africa, but because it, it, it was just impressed on you, you know, and you feel this, this, this pull, um, and you've been doing such an incredible work over these past few decades. It's, you know, it, it should be out there more. I mean, that people people really should know about this. So, um, you know, uh, as a religious, as a person who's getting more religious as he grows older, <laughs> and I'm cramming for the big test in the sky, the final exam. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> uh, um, so I, uh, so in our in our morning pr- in our prayers, mm. Jews say three times a day, uh, Shimona Esrei, the, the the basic prayer of Judaism. We thank God for freeing the slaves. Matir Asurim. Uh, and that's, every Jew says that, every religious Jew says that three times a day. Mm, wow. Uh, so it's part of what, you know, we, we believe in the God who freed us. And, you know, when I went to Sudan the last time, I brought a rabbi. And mm. uh, it was around Passover time. And we actually brought matzahs. And mm. uh, I'll send you some pictures of Absolutely. <laughs> slaves eating matzahs. And yeah. we said to them, you know, God brought us out of Egypt. And, you know, Egypt is not that far from where we are right today in Sudan. And, mm. you know, the, the, the your God, our God is going to bring you out, too. Mm. So it's uh, it, it's a similar story. You know, all the connections about black hymns and songs about Exodus. And uh, right. Right. And, so. Absolutely. No, totally. And Charles, I forgot to ask you one more thing because there's this other picture and I, I need to ask you about it because it's it's a picture of you. You're sitting down in the street um, and you're actually being arrested by the NYPD. Um, oh, yeah. Along with, it says, the Guardian Angels founder, Chrisilla. Um, and then 
Yeah, it's during a protest against slavery and genocide in Sudan. What? Tell us a little bit more about that. What happened? So that's Curtis Lee. What Curtis Lee? What by the way is uh, one of the many, many, many candidates for mayor of New York right now. But he's a hell of a guy. Mm. Uh, he's a Polish Catholic guy. Uh, he created the Guardian Angels, which you know protected old ladies from subway theft. You know, in the wow. beginning, and it's a it's a great organization. Uh, so he and I. Uh, went to the and his sister Maria mm. uh, and some other people we went to the Sudanese consulate in New York and we had a sit down strike we just sat down <laughs> and we had signs we said free the slaves right mm. and the police arrested us i mean we knew that was going to happen and we you know it was good for our publicity and except it wasn't so good to be in jail for 2 days i'll tell you that oh wow it it was i have Next time, we'll tell you some funny stories about Please. Curtis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I was at least I was with Curtis, and he was he was a tough guy. So and everybody liked him, so it was mm. good. But Curtis Curtis did that for us because he's a he's a man of uh, honor and decency and and courage. Mm. Wow, wow, Charles. No, this this is incredible. I mean, we we I want our listeners to, and I, again, I'll link this stuff on the bottom, but just some resources that Charles gave to us free Nigerian slaves.org, which is an organization run by Nigerian Americans uh, to stop the slavery happening in Nigeria. Um, I abolish.org, um, which is another resource that, that you gave to us here. And then Christian solidarity international, um, which is an organization that, that also combats slavery um, run by, you said John Eibner, um, it, it, the, and then uh, if there's any more that you want to give, if you want to send to me, Charles, I'll make sure that our listeners can know more. Cause I know people are going to want to hear more. A lot of people don't know about what's going on or at least to the extent that it is. Um, and, and you're just a wealth of, of resources and information. But just to, for people. Thank you. Just, just imagine, just imagine that it, when black America, when all America, but especially when black America finds out that there's a movement by Nigerian Americans here to free slaves in Nigeria. Imagine how that's going to change a lot of conversations in ways that you and I want these conversations mm, to be changed. Totally. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, the, and they need to be elevated more because of that. People need to actually hear it from, from people who have that, who have a personal connection to, to the land and what's going on in that country. You're, you're absolutely right. It would change the whole game. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Charles, I want to thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. This has been fantastic. Um, I, I, I hope we can do this again soon. We can get some more information from you and uh, we look forward to your book coming out. Please let us know when that, when that comes out. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. And I love the work you're doing and I'll, I'll be part of it as much as I can be part of it. And I will gain you supporters and followers. That's thank you, point. Charles. I, I appreciate that, Charles. Thank you so much. And thank you all again for listening. This is The JW Show. I'm your host, Joshua Washington, Executive Director of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, and I'm signing off. Mm-hmm.